Hello, hello, how are we doing? Welcome. Here we go. This is the NTT20 betting show, the sound of the start. And you know the rest. We've got a full slate of EFL action this weekend. We are absolutely delighted about it. This show is sponsored by Betfair and a huge thanks to Betfair for their continued sponsorship of Not The Top 20 podcast. As ever, we'll be making full use of their uh, dual threat, the sportsbook and the exchange on this podcast. Betting is for over 18s only and therefore this show is very strictly for over 18s only as well. We ask that anyone listening be gamble aware, understand the risks, the significant and serious risks that come with betting, please never bet more than you can afford to lose. Never chase your losses. Please, if you are betting on the EFL, be sensible with it. I'm Ali Maxwell. With me is George Ellick. Last week, uh, Tranmere were my nap. That got up on, on Friday night. I mentioned in, in my answer, their main threat was Clark and Davies, the centre-backs from set pieces. Davies hit the bar. Clark scored the second goal, so that was quite cool. No other winners, though, for me. My 22-1 centre-back shot, O'Connell, did have two attempts on goal, so I'm left feeling encouraged but frustrated. Not a great weekend overall. Good to get the nap up. But we need to talk about your betting show weekend. It was incredibly lively. Uh, Having picked Ipswich as my nap twice this season and lost both, obviously I was delighted that they got up for you. But we need to talk about your goalscorer pick because... The official pick was Kyle Edwards. But anyone who listened last week and who heard your answer knows that you were second-guessing Paul Cook. You were trying to guess who would replace Bursant Selina in the starting eleven. You thought Edwards, but you very much made it clear that if Connor Chaplin started instead, you'd be backing him, uh, I think you said 5-1 to one first goal scorer, but 9-4 to any time the pick. So, do we give you that as a winner? So, I've, I've got a little spreadsheet where I write on my picks and I colour-code it green for the winners and red for the losers. And I've coloured it orange. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, I, I personally think I'm 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 split because I think that hopefully people who listened would have backed um, would have backed Chaplin if they were alert between two and three. Mm. But I also think it, it sets a dangerous precedent, Ali, doesn't it? I so, think so. We'll leave it up to. I mean, Hugh Davis is is the man who who keeps tally for us. Let's just let him be the. Judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> Referee Hugh Davis, I can confirm, had you very much in the red for your goalscorer pick. No! But I know he'll listen to this, and I'm I'm interested to hear his thoughts. It's the difference for you between a minus 0.5 point week or a plus 1.75 point week. So quite an important one, really. Uh, I should say also that uh, your next best, you. next best Bolton lost. That was a frustrating watch for us. We were both on uh, your lay bet of Mansfield uh, at about 1.8. That was an impressive Winner as they drew nil nil, and your BTTS yes pick just to sum it all up in Forest Ridiculous. Green against against Swindon, a hilarious loser with Forest Green missing a penalty in injury time that would have made it two one. Back to normal this weekend, and we have thirty six games of EFL action to choose from. What is your best bet? What is your nap this weekend? Tough slate, I reckon. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm calling it. Okay. Um, my nap is Huddersfield to beat Hull in the Hull derby. Uh, um at even money now <clears throat> this is not a particularly strong nap if i'm if i'm going to be honest i know it's two points but I, i've had less on this myself than i would normally have on my nap um but i do think it's the strongest of the bets that i've had partly because i think we can really take issue with the two nil win that hull had over middlesbrough just before the international break which inevitably has had has impacted their price for this one I mentioned it on the Monday pod after the game. Um, Borough were the better side in the game. They were the likely team to score throughout the match. Um, and Hull took the lead thanks to a 
very fortuitous goal where Kino's Potter hit a lovely um, half volley. I think it was half volley. Um, don't come at me, half volley purists, if I'm wrong. Um, and it ricocheted off the inside of the post to hit Lumley kind of in the face neck area um, as he turned to face it, to watch it hit the post and it went in. So a, for- a fortunate goal, which was then bolstered by a very, very late Malik Wilkes goal on the break. Balance of play does not have that down in my head as being a hull win. It has it down as being a... Con- I'm not taking the win away from them before anyone gets upset, but like it, in my head, it's a continuing the the kind of poor levels of performance that we saw previously. And, I, and I'm surprised because I thought Hull were going to go well this season. Um, I, I still think they've got a, a good enough squad to do so, but sometimes you've got to tear up what you thought pre-season and look at what, what the evidence is in front of you. And at the moment, it is that Hull are currently in 21st place, having got three points that I don't think they deserved. I think they'd have, one would have been... Um, as much as they as they really deserve to get on the day, so uh, I'm looking. So I'm happy to basically get against Hull with the Huddersfield side, who preseason I didn't think we were going to be very good, but consistently we've seen so far this season that they are um, a, a decent side. You know, last time out we saw them get a nil nil draw away at um, Luton, who last time Luton played at home they they swept the carpet with um, with Coventry. A, Yes, which was you out of five, the win against Coventry. Uh, Huddersfield's home form has been patchy, you know, in the in the league at least. You know, they've beaten Preston, Reading, and Blackburn fairly comfortably. They were battered by Fulham five one early on, and they, there was that two 0 defeat against against uh, Nottingham Forest as well. But they, you know, there's enough good in there. You know, they've beat, they've beaten the sides, um, you know, Preston, Reading, the, the lowly sides, um, and there's excuses I think for that Nottingham Forest result with the change in management too. So at even money, you know, Sorba Thomas's form has been um, not as good as it was early in the season. I think they'll be hoping for a Ben Brereton Diath style reaction from Thomas, having been spent the week. Um, anyone who's seen his interviews, I think, knows how much he's enjoyed spending the week uh, on Aaron Ramsey with the Wales. The Aaron Ramsey, sign my shirt. He, Can you believe it? I mean, it's it's so great, so wholesome. Amazing. Uh, so maybe he'll come back with a bit more confidence. Um, but yeah, I think Huddersfield, uh, even money, a, a fair value to, to take the three points against a struggling Hull side. All we can ask for is fair value, George, even in a tricky slate. Uh, my nap feels like a huge trap. It feels like a huge trap. This is like uh, uh, the best way of summing up how I feel. It Potentially, this could be something like out of a cartoon where someone I'm chasing like a tasty treat in front of me and I just run straight off a cliff to my right. to my demise. Oh no. The tasty treat, Harrogate Town at Colchester United, specifically the price of two point three. Um it's too tempting for me. I can't resist it. I tried my best. Uh, the Betfair Sportsbook have dangled that out and I can't resist. I-, I said my piece on Colchester last week. They were the team that my nap Tranmere played against. A large part of my reasoning for backing Tranmere was that I think Colchester United are very poor. Uh, I think they've probably got more points than they deserve and they haven't got very many points this season. My main line last week, which stands true, is that they are consistently the second best team in almost every single game that they play uh, so far in League Two. That's been the case anyway. No obvious identity in terms of style so far. All of that was in evidence last Friday night. You know, Tramir beat them. It was both comfortable and also I'd like to recognise that Tramir's first goal was a sort of looping, deflected 25-yard strike. Colchester weren't easy for Tramir to break down, but they weren't a hugely tough opponent either. They had three shots in the first half when it was nil-nil, none of them on target, 
Uh, they got a few off, maybe five or six in the last 20 minutes of the game when they were already 2-0 down. And you know what the cliche is. It's easy to play when you're already 2-0 down. You'd, you'd expect a team, in fairness, to be stronger at home than away from home. And, and obviously they go home this weekend to host Harrogate. The numbers, the Fox punter XG ratio tables that I see, um, Mike splits it all up into all these juicy little segments, including home and away expected goals numbers, which is really helpful. Uh, the numbers suggest they are only slightly better at home and still very poor. A 31% XG ratio away from home, about as poor as a team can be, basically. Uh, and a 38% XG ratio at home, still a very poor side by any measure and still right down the bottom of the League 2 uh, in that sense. They've played four at home so far, Cole. You, they've lost three of them uh, and they drew the other. All four of the opponents they faced, you have to say, objectively are worse than Harrogate, who are looking like one of the better teams in the league at the moment. Now, the reason it feels like a trap is obviously they won 6-1 last week, and it looks a little bit like you're going, oh, they must be amazing. I can't wait to back them against a team down at the bottom. I think there's <laughs> a bit more to it than that. Like For Harrogate, these games is kind of their thing. Um, and w- and that's what we've seen over the last 18 months or so since they joined the league. They run all over you. They don't let you settle. They exploit your weaknesses uh, in a pretty intense way. And if you're not in great nick, I think Harrogate are a terrible opponent. They don't really let you settle, grow into the game. We saw that against Scunthorpe last week. Against teams in the bottom 10 since the start of last season, Harrogate... 15 wins, 3 draws, 5 defeats. That's 15 wins in 23, 65% win record against bottom 10 teams. This is where they feast Harrogate. And there's no doubt in my mind that Colchester are easily a bottom 10 side, probably a bottom 4 side by pretty much any measure that you could take at this moment in time. I don't necessarily think Colu will be as open as, as Scunthorpe were. You know, c- could the fans turn on them if they concede early like Scunny did? Yeah, maybe, but I wouldn't expect a 6 for sure. But I think on this, George, you know, it's pretty relentless doing this every single week and you have to stick to some principles, I think. One of mine, call me crazy, is this team, I think, is a lot better than the team they are playing. Uh, and so the price of 2.3, you know, when you consider a team to be much better than another, it's very rare that the price is 2.3, whether they're away or at home. Uh, and when you consider that Orient are, and Bradford both about 1.8, you know, they have the home advantage, but they're both playing, in my opinion, slightly better teams than Colchester in Bristol Rovers and Walsall. So I think this is where the value's at this weekend. And that's why it's my nap. Harrogate to win, 2.3. Next best? Luton to beat Millwall <clears throat> at 23-10. to 10. Although, literally, I've been umming and ahhing over whether or not to do draw no bet or just win only. And I think, I'm, as I've said, it, I'm going to change it to draw no bet at 5-4 to four just because, you know, Millwall's home form uh, since fans have been back has been pretty solid. You know, they've had five games, uh, championship games, back at the den they've won two of them but they have drawn two of them and the only defeat came against Fulham so you know the understandably it is a tough place to go and get three points but I think the market has this all kinds of wrong um Luton are a side who didn't get you know they were they were the classic such dark horses that I think they were ended up being bay um but they you know they didn't start the season necessarily as well as, as a lot of people anticipate them anticipated them to and maybe some early, um, a few people kind of wrote off those those predictions early on. But their form since then has been seriously good. You know, we spoke then about the 5-0 against uh, Coventry. Um, they were also unlucky to, to lose 2-1 
away at Bournemouth in a game they deserve more from the performances they've been they've been putting in um, have, should have yielded more points in my opinion you know only one win uh, in their last six or I think it's actually seven games but they've only lost one of those games too and the, a few of those draws should have been wins and you look at the data and that supports that entirely you know if you're looking at expected goals for an open play this season top is Fulham with 18.1 second is Luton with 16.2 then a massive drop off to Coventry with 13.2 and West Brom as well and Bournemouth the three of them are, are all tied there and behind so you know, from open, from an attacking standpoint, from open play, Luton are, are not just the second best team, but they're the second best team by a street. Now, is that bolstered by the Coventry uh, game performance? A little bit, but you know, we're, we're now enough games into the season that it can't be skewed too much. And you know, they are still three goals clear of anyone else behind them too. Uh, their defensive capabilities are fine. They kind of rank the table for that. They're just a team who I think have, have, have started to work out how to be incredibly effective at creating chances whilst not really losing any of their defensive solidity. Um, Millwall are, are, are basically bang average as we expect them to be. Um, that's not said in the um, insulting way that often people do say it, but this is a Millwall team who are, I would say, very mid-table. We know what we get with Millwall. You're going to have to be very good to beat them. We know that there is a performance level that probably will beat them. Um, still very reliant on, on Jed Wallace for their attacking output still fairly solid defensively. Um, the fact that Jay Cooper's recently been ousted from the starting lineup is interesting and it shows that the options they've got in defence with, with Ballard coming in uh, on loan. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that the, the prices at the moment, you know, look at the outright market, um, 13 to 10 compared to 23 to 10 for Millwall to Luton. Um, the fact that you can get odds against while, while you know, not, not losing any money uh, on the draw no bets just seems crazy to me so yeah i mean because of the price i guess um this isn't the nap although maybe in hindsight I, I do feel more strongly than this but i'll stick as it is um one point on five to four journal bet luton away at mobile you've had a nice haircut in the last few days thank thank you very much looking forward to everyone else seeing that live on sky sports tomorrow night circa 10 30 mm. p.m after west bromwich albion play birmingham i won't i won't be wearing my new glasses though no We'll, we'll hold them back. One day we should both wear our glasses on TV, okay. not make any reference to it, and just see if anyone gets really confused and thinks they've had too many beers on a Friday night. <laughs> anyway, uh, my next How best... How <laughs> I'm My next best, which I'm kind of delaying, because like you, I do find it a difficult slate and umming and ahhing a, li a little bit, but I, I like Sheffield Wednesday at Wimbledon at 2.45. Wow, are we? Wow. I... Yeah, I don't think this is a very typical bet of mine, but let me talk through it. Wimbledon, for me, have lost quite a lot of spark in the last month or so. The previous and well-documented, dynamic, exciting, brave attacking play has dampened somewhat. Uh, whether it was fatigue for a lot of young attacking players uh, and a few injuries as well, particularly to Oli Palmer, which has left Presley kind of ploughing a lone furrow up top. I think there are excuses for it, but there's no doubt that quite quietly Wimbledon have, have dropped off. Uh, they, they drew against Burton in the last minute, didn't they, in their last game, having lost the previous three. So it's one point in their last four, and in that time, just, just two goals. So you can see there's been a, a drop-off in performance levels, particularly going forward, and, and the results have turned on that front as well. As mentioned, Palmer, he was out pre-international break for at least three or four games. I'm not sure he'll be back for this game. Uh, so Aaron Presley continues up top, I imagine. He looks very low on confidence, you have to say. He's a big guy. Uh, he is a young attacker who is still learning his trade at senior level. 
Uh, as we know, when you are a, a big guy and you play number nine uh, and you have a lot of balls aimed at you, uh, y- you have to learn to love it. Otherwise, it's quite clear that you don't love it. And I think Presley at times has not enjoyed some of the physicality of, of senior defenders. Asal, who we love, has certainly been less of a threat recently as well. The last three games particularly for Wimbledon, they've really struggled for to create those sort of consistent and meaningful opportunities, both in open play and also somewhat in, in from set-piece situations. They were never going to be able to keep up those numbers from the first six, seven games of the season. Now, it might be that a break will do them good, the international break, but it also brought bad news, and this is a big part of it for me. Will Nightingale, captain, centre-back, huge set-piece threat, out for three to four months, I'm afraid to say, George. So a huge, huge member of this Wimbledon side is is gone for the foreseeable, and his replacement will either be Callum Bailly, uh, who missed the last four games before international break with injury. I, I haven't seen whether he'll be back or not, sort of touch and go. If not him, then Chisoka, or Soka, the, the young Hungarian. He's been away with the Hungarian under-21s. Uh, he played 90 minutes for them and then 15 in their second game, so perhaps not, yeah, I don't know whether that means he's sharp or whether that means he's tired. I, I never quite work it out with these international breaks. Anyway, I think Callum Bai is a, a good defender. I was impressed with their performance against Gillingham when I was at Plough Lane at the start of the season. Um, whether it's him or Ch- Chisoka, Soka, Super Soka, <laughs> I think both players are a big downgrade on the excellent and influential Nightingale. So that's a problem for me. Um, the keeper, Zanev, has been away on international duty with... New Zealand, he'll be back in, but maybe a bit of jet lag. I'm clutching at straws here. Uh, and young Henry, Henry Lawrence as well has been away with the England under-20s, I think. As for Wednesday, we've kind of gone back and forth quite a lot on them. I don't think either of us think they are anywhere near the levels of of Wigan, of Sunderland, uh, of Argyle and, and Rotherham and Wickham. Um, and we kind of work out, trying to work out where they will sort of shake out. Um, I think you put it very well on, on the Monday pod and I noticed that that got typed up by the Sheffield Star because it was such good punditry. Um, wow. You know, your general thoughts about Wednesday, which were they look like they're going to be playing in a lot of low margin games. They have certainly not cut loose on an attacking sense, but defensively they are mostly fine, albeit their goalkeepers let them down a few times. Um, I I think probably we're a bit blinded, not a bit blinded. I think my Judgment was clouded a bit. Watching the whole 90 against Bolton last Saturday, it was clouded, A, by the fact that I'd backed Bolton and they started so much better than Wednesday. And then secondly, secondly, as the game went on and Wednesday came back into it and ended up winning it, that's when the beers really kicked in. So I think maybe I was sort of just focusing on that first period. Um, but they did get the win and Gregory was excellent. I, I don't expect Wednesday to dominate and blow Wimbledon away here for sure. But, you know... They've got the individual quality to win tight games and they are mostly keeping games pretty tight. I don't think this is a typical bet of mine in the sense that I'm kind of relying on individual quality, on experience, on nous. And if this was the... The intangibles, Ali. Yeah, but if this was the Wimbledon of late August, early September, no way I'd be backing this. But at 2.45, I think quietly Wimbledon's performance level has dropped, missing their captain and centre-back, who also happens to be one of their biggest goal threats. That could be an issue. So Wednesday to do a sort of business-like job, 1-0 win, 2-1 maybe. Uh, That's my next best at 2.45. Don't forget, George or listener, that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games. Uh, Applicable to singles and doubles. No cash-out suspensions while the games are on. Uh, It's a pretty big thing, that. So uh, something to make the most of. Uh, Next up, Betfair Exchange on our minds. We're putting up some lay bets, which went pretty well for you last week. 
Yeah. Um, the lay bet here, I'm going to be laying Nottingham Forest, um, who are at home to... I mean, this is often the case with the lay bets. It's not necessarily anything negative, but they're at home to Blackpool. I've laid them at 2.1, um, so near enough 10 to 11, um, kind of in my favour. Uh, they're playing against a Blackpool side, who I, who I just, you know, I know that you're very keen on, on this Blackpool team. Um, I am too. I think in the last few weeks, they've shown themselves to be to be very good, basically. Um, there are injury issues that they're going to have to contend with in this one. Cousin Chris. Cousin Chris. Oh, Chris Maxwell. Yeah, and yeah. The truffle pig. I thought you were talking about the truffle pig, yeah. I can't even for Maxwell first. Uh, yeah, Chris Maxwell and uh, Shane Lavery both will be missing. Lavery's obviously been been excellent so far, and there's no denying that they're two big losses. Having said that, they're not short of striking options um, because of Lavery's good form. Uh, Neil Critchley has had to rotate between Jerry Yates, Gary Medine and Tyrese John Jules. So they're not short of options there. Um, and, you know, it, yes, the keeper issue is one, um, but um, it's not enough to really dissuade me here from getting with a side who in their last four games have won three of them and, and drawn just one um, in that run. They've beaten Blackburn, they've beaten Barnsley, they've beaten Middlesbrough. They are, and they, of course, they beat Fulham at home um, recently as well. So they're a side to be taken seriously. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, very impressed by what we've seen so far by um, Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest. There is no doubt that they've improved, but have they improved enough to be near enough even money against a side who've won four of the last six games? Uh, I don't think so. I think that is too short a price. It wouldn't be a massive surprise if they won, um, but it's it's too short for me and I've, I've got to oppose them. Um, so yeah, Nottingham Forest at 2.1 is my lay. Okay, well, I mean, short prices all over the show uh, in the well, in all three leagues this weekend. But I nearly spat out my lemsip, George, when I saw Fleetwood Town's price this weekend. Fleetwood Town has an odds-on shot. Couldn't believe my eyes at home to Crew Alexandra. So I thought I'd look into it a little bit deeper, see what I was missing. Uh, the scariest thing about Fleetwood, as someone who's laying them this weekend, is how many goals they've scored recently. Uh, definitely mm. not what we expected uh, and saw coming. At the Plunderers. start of the season, under Simon Grayson, uh, they only scored one in their first three goal uh, games, and then sixteen in seven uh, against some quite good teams as well. It's a very weird one. That's the most goals in the league <laughs> in that time, but they've only won two of those seven. I games. love that this is the beginning of your lay. That's what I'm excited about. Well, imagine, imagine you, went, you went full pivot and you were like, "So I'm laying crew at four point two. Every good story has a start, a middle, and an end, and we're still in the yeah. start. I'm afraid. So it's just okay. belt up and strap in. Um, right. That's the most goals in the league in that time, George. Sixteen and seven. It's amazing. Well done to Fleetwood. Looking into it a bit deeper, first thing I saw in that same period of seven games, they've had the fifth fewest shots in the league. So uh, already we're seeing some hat finishing. So I go on to Scout and I count up all their expected goals for over the last seven games. Scout reckons it's 16 goals from 8.5 expected. Uh, again, happy to suggest they are running uber hot. Happy to suggest that we should not take Fleetwood to be the best attacking team in the league. I mean, the only reason that you'd expect it to continue is if you, and maybe you do, George, think that Jed Garner and Callum Morton are among the greatest finishers of all time, or that Danny Andrew will keep scoring three goals in every 10 games from outside the box. I mean, but, you know, if those things happen, then sure. But I just found it quite telling as well that even with the most goals in the league over a seven-game period, they only won two of those games. And it reminded me a little bit of, remember my big thing with Rochdale last season, where I just... I, I just I developed a, a quite a large stance where I just thought 
everyone was thinking Rochdale were hilarious because they were scoring five and conceding five every game. But in reality, only one thing was going to change and that was that they were going to stop scoring as many goals and that's exactly what happened. I'm not saying this is going to be like this forever, but I'm, I'm sure it's how good their attacking output has been recently that has them so short here against Crew because they're, both of them are down there. Like, I don't have a hugely strong steer on Crew at the moment because they've obviously been through a lot towards the end of the window and they're kind of coming out the other side and the squad doesn't look quite as, as strong. They're getting to grips with the new era, but they've only lost one of their last six crew. They've drawn four, won one and lost one. So although the numbers do suggest they've generally been second best in, in those games for the most part in terms of, well, on balance of play and chances created, are just not having Fleetwood as, as a much stronger side than crew. I think they're basically fairly similar. Um, Fleetwood have won two of their 10 league games this season. They're not exactly stone cold killers. Uh, and Crew have, have lost 5 of 11. So they've avoided defeat in more than half of their games. They're not exactly pushovers. So I was very surprised. You know, we look at 36 games pretty pretty much every week, 36 prices for home, draw away team, and you, you, you feel like you have a pretty good steer most weeks on what a team should be. This looked way too short, so that's why it's my lay at 1.97 with the Betfair Exchange. Uh, goals and goal scorers to come. Where are you going? Going to the game that I'm not going to be at, but would be at if I wasn't working, Oxford United versus Plymouth Argyle. And I am backing over two and a half goals. Nice. And my goals bet started the season off very well. Um, and they have fallen somewhat off a cliff. Uh, so I need to stop doing the silly BTTSs where the home team get beaten by the OA team who are the outsiders and don't score, which is frustrating. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like the hard part of getting a BTTS up is getting the outsider to score. And, but they keep scoring two. Is Overs it going to be here. hard to get Plymouth to score here, George? I don't think so. No, no. good. Tell me why. They, they've they scored in, in their last 12 league games. Um, That's good. So they are a team who, who, are, who are having no issue finding the back of the net. In Ryan Hardy, they have one of the most in-form players in the division. And in Ryan Lowe, they have a manager who we know when his teams are good, they score loads of goals. So I'm not too bothered about that. I think possibly the reason why we're getting a big price about this, which is 20 to 23, um, which is comfortably big enough for me to be backing here, is because A, Oxford's home record is very, very good. And B, Plymouth Argyle's away record is very good. Um, let's start with the Argyle away record, and which is undoubtedly true. But I think when you look at Oxford's attacking threat, you know, no team in the EFL has scored more goals since the start of the 2019-2020 season than Oxford United. Um, under Carl Robinson, they consistently score goals, especially at home. They've only drawn a blank once so far this season at home. That was against Wickham. I was at that game and Wickham defended very resolutely. Um, Oxford still created a few chances. Um, but that is naturally going to be the exception. They're a side who normally score goals. Um, Oxford's home form is very good, but I think they are a touch too short. I've had a small lay of them myself, sadly. Sorry to say, hope I'm wrong. Is that why you've been calling um, them they instead of we throughout this whole answer? You're distancing yourself again from Oxford United. Mate, I always do that, don't I? <laughs> Monday, mon Monday pod we, Thursday, point th Thursday pod they. Unless we lose, then Monday pod they. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and, and I think that Oxford's home form is very good, but they're coming up against an Argyle side who I still think the market hasn't quite got a hold of, uh, despite them being top of the league. Everything I'm seeing so far suggests that Argyle are, are genuinely... At the moment, I'm not saying they'll still be there come April or May, but at the moment, they're there on merit. There's nothing to suggest that they are um, going through just a, a, a hot streak that invariants will inevitably catch up with them. Whether they can maintain this level of performance throughout the season, I'm not sure. Um, 
Oxford scored five at home last time. We saw them with the Sam against an Accrington side who we don't anticipate to score um, plenty of goals. So I think everything about this game, you know, this is a case of Oxford wanting to, to prove themselves against the league leaders. It's a case of Argyle full of confidence going away to a side that they'll see as not a scout, but a, a good team to beat. I think everything points to the really high scoring, free flowing attacking game with this one. So yeah, the over two and a half at 20 to 23 appeals a great deal. Each week at the moment, I get to this segment of my research, my prep, and I think, should I sack off the under 1.5 League 2 double? And then I think, Yeah, no. I think, yeah, no, not yet. Because I, w- I want to be known as someone with a strong constitution and not someone who just throws in the towel after a couple of disappointing weeks. And the whole idea of picking something that is generally between 8 and 10 to 1 is that you can't expect results immediately. So here we go. Under 1.5 double, both in League 2. First one, Oldham against Stevenage. Keith Curl has got Oldham digging the hell in. Nil-nil against Mansfield last week. What a terrible start to the season it was. The protests still fresh in everyone's mind, but the football team digging in. Their last four games, they've only scored two, but they've only conceded two. Three of those four have gone under 1.5. In fact, Oldham, fun fact, haven't scored a single goal in the first half of a game yet. They've played 11 games. Uh, Stevenage, uh, they scored two in their first away game of the season at Bristol Rovers, have since only scored two in four away games. Their attacking output, if you look at underlying numbers away from home, is fairly pitiful. And Stevenage, unfortunately, aren't the side that I hoped they'd be this season. So I'm going ultra low margin there, under 1.5, and doubling it up with friends of the family, Northampton Town, friends of the under 1.5 family. Uh, They're playing against Mansfield, Cobblers, low margin central, um, five of their 11 games this season have gone under 1.5 albeit none of the last three I'm putting some of that down to John Guthrie their key centre-back being out with Covid that imp- impacted them defensively but he's now back uh, and, and Nigel Clough a bit like Keith Curl has got Mansfield digging in uh, he is just aiming for as few goals as possible at the moment at either end having started the season open and leaky Uh, Just three goals total in Mansfield's last four games. Three of them, again, under 1.5. So the double is 10.73, just a a tickle under 10 to 1. And that's my under 1.5 double, Oldham Stevenage, Northampton Mansfield, under 1.5. Just a reminder that with Betfair, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll get a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply for that. Goal scorer to finish us off. Come on. I'm excited by my goal scorer. Good. This is this is the one of all my bets this week that I'm I'm most excited about. And Ali, I'm going to do. I think I've done it so far this season. I'm going to give you a little quiz. Oh, I thought you were going to do a song. I'm going to read out a sequence, yes. and you're going to tell me what it is. Do oh, you tell you the game to, to try and make it help? Because yeah. it will be quite hard for you to get it. Yeah. So it's Scunthorpe against Forest Green. Okay. Two sequences. This is the first one. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. Two, four. Two, one, three, six. Whoa! <laughs> is that George? Oh, we're doing goal scoring. This here. is the one. This is the one you've got a chance with, possibly. Is it? Is it in um, reverse chronological order? Was the last number the most recent or the most? Yes. Oh. I was going to say Nicky Cadden shots on goal, but I don't think he had six against uh, Swindon. <laughs> this is quite weird. No, that is how many goals Scunthorpe have conceded in uh, their last six games right but <laughs> the next the next one was going to be two two one six two two four two two one well that sounds like how many goals Scunthorpe no it sounds like Nicky Cadden shots <laughs> that is Nicky Cadden shots and then you look at the market 
for um for the goal scorer market here mm-hmm. unsurprising i'm looking at any time only because you know if forest green are actually going to do I mean, you know that's also i could probably read out the sequence of how many goals forest green have scored which would also be equally I think we've, uh, impressive i think we've had enough but, sequences but i think i think that's enough it's not a maths lesson ali um if uh if you look at the anytime goal scorer odds you've got matt stevens and jamil matt 13 to 10 so just a shade over even money wow that's, you've got do you Josh, know what for a team that's what are they like 1.5 maybe less yeah to win that feels Short. longer than i'd expect for a it's anytime wow. goal scorer okay um well, if ipswich were two on this weekend macaulay bond wouldn't be odds against would he i guess also because they play a front two mm. so they've got two of them and no one knows who takes their pens but um yeah josh march and jack Aitchison and jake young all 12 to 5 and then you've got nicky cadden nine to two i i consider cadden is pretty much their third biggest goal threat um he is somebody who's consistently a threat he's got a brilliant left foot that just seems a massive price you know up the the the, the two on price or 11 to 20 that they are with betfair sportsbook suggests you know that they agree that, that that forest green could well rack up a bit of a score here things are at rock bottom for scumthorpe that nine to two cadden no that is that is that is too big that is wrong hello my name's nicky and i'm forest green rovers third biggest goal threat that's him yeah. introducing himself on Love Island. Uh, so, right, goal scorer. That's where we are. For me, George, this is a case of so many old friends. It's just a case of who to choose. Uh, three names on the shortlist. Connor Shaughnessy, who is my big winner so far this season. Lovely, lovely Connor. Uh, and that's because Morecambe's XG against from set pieces is the second worst in League One. And Burton's is the best in terms of XG4, he's 18 to 1 anytime with Betfair. Maybe I should go with Shaughnessy. Or what about Dan Scar? <laughs> Oxford, not the tallest, are they? Are they, George? If mm. Ka- if Carl Robinson decides to go with what I call the, the chaos approach, which is what he did in your last home game, where he drops Gorin and just plays ball players, basically seven, like eight attacking players, um, yes. then you really don't have much height to defend set plays and Argyle have three strapping centre-backs trotting up. I suspect Gorin probably will play because of this, but Scar is a monster uh, when he comes to attacking set pieces and I can't remember what price he is, but it's a very nice price. I like both of those. I like Owen O'Connell from last week because he had two shots when I was on him at, what was it, 20-1? to And he's 30-1 to to score any time against Swindon. 30-1 to any time. Dale have had the fourth most set-piece shots in League Two, and Swindon have faced the fourth most set-piece shots. So there's a nice one. Um, O'Connell, someone who takes quite a lot of shots from range as well and is their main set-piece threat. So I'm not going to pick him forever, but given he had two attempts last weekend when I was on, I don't think I'd be able to live with myself if he bags this time. Owen O'Connell, 30-1 to to score any time with regret because I think Connor Shaughnessy looks quite tasty as well at 18-1. to But there can only be one. Uh, two lovely, lovely Irish men. Uh, one of them, Owen, E O G H A N, Owen, <laughs> thirty to one. That's my bet. George, could you uh, recap your bets, please, and then we can say goodbye. Yes, my nap is Huddersfield to beat Hull in the Hadavi. Uh Luton to beat Millwall is my next best. Uh, laying Forest at home to Blackpool over two and a half in Oxford United versus Plymouth Argyle, and Nicky Cadden to score any time is my goal scorer bet. My nap is Harrogate Town, the Sulfurites, at 2.3. 
Wednesday to beat Wimbledon at 2.45. That is Wednesday of Sheffield, of course, 2.45. My lay is Fleetwood at 1.97 at home to Crew Alex. Under 1.5 goals, double in League 2. Oldham, Stevenage, Northampton, Mansfield, 10.73 the price for the double. Uh, and my goal scorer pick, Owen O'Connell, 30-1, to 1, Rochdale against Swindon. Anytime goal scorer, he is 66-1, to 1, first and last as well. Huge thank you to our sponsors, Betfair, for their continued support of Not The Top 20 podcast. We're making use of the sportsbook and the exchange, of course, in the betting show. Don't forget that multiples offer. If you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll get a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. And also that Betfair have no cash out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games. Please make sure if you're having a bet this weekend, you are doing so responsibly. Let us know on Twitter what you fancy and any thoughts about our selections. Hope you've enjoyed this show. A slightly different tone to last week's in Madeira. We're full of life ahead of this weekend. Elik is doing the Sky Friday Quest Saturday double. And I'll be with him on the sofa on Friday night and watching from my sofa on Saturday. We'll be back on Monday to recap what promises to be a sumptuous weekend of EFL action. Have a great weekend, guys.